0: Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic
1: that makes you look or feel good with long-form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Hi Jake.
0: Uh, I'm very well. <laughs> Wednesday morning back when- in the studio. Wednesday morning.
1: So we're here with Jess and Maria from Eden Cosmetic Therapies all the way down in Tasmania, which for anyone who's not in Australia That is like the tiny little island that just uh, is situated at the bottom right-hand side of the country. It looks like someone just took a chunk and bit it off. Yeah. And uh, separated by Mm -hmm. a stretch of water called Bass Strait, I believe. This mm -hmm. is the geography lesson
0: that even I don't know. And if
1: people want to know, there's a very famous boat race that happens annually on Boxing Day and they start from, I can see them from my balcony, they start from there, in Sydney Harbour, and sail all the way down to Tasmania as fast as they can in one of the most treacherous stretches of water in the world, Right, and it's always interesting, and they
0: end up down near where you guys are. Awesome. Yeah. So, Jess, why don't we start with you? So, you are, well, your background is a midwife, and now obviously you're a, a cosmetic nurse, so very briefly, tell us about that journey, like how and why, and then we'll get on to Maria's story, and then the business
2: yeah, sure. So um, I did my nurse training in Tasmania, um, worked for a little while in on the surgical wards, went over to England and spent a couple of years working over there doing agency work. And Poor one of those, um,
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: I know I did lots of travel. It was amazing. Um, and during that time, I actually spent some time at one of the leading cosmetic surgery businesses there oh. as their sort of uh, clinic nurse their nurse had left quite suddenly and they called me in and so I was doing a lot of the pre-consultations and post-op care um, and yeah really enjoyed that and then I came back to Australia and I always wanted to be a midwife so I did my midwifery training um, had, met my husband and had a young family and then worked as a midwife for 15 years And once my children sort of got to school age, I found the shift work quite difficult Mm. with, um, you know, family life, three young kids, um, husband working reasonably demanding hours and a bit of a lack of family support. So I really needed a change to find something that was going to suit me and the family and a bit more family-friendly hours. Um, And around that time, I also went and had my first Botox treatment. Mm. So, and I was kind of like, oh this doesn't look that hard I reckon I can do that um and you know I've always liked to look good been interested in the industry um obviously I had that little taste in the UK when I was there um and always loved art so I did art right up to year 12 um do like to dabble in a bit of drawing and painting so it was kind of yeah a nice way to go into a job that I could sort of have my own hours and um but also, yeah, use my artistic side um, as well. So, yeah.
1: Excellent. So how Brilliant. I got into it. Yeah. I mean, um, what you've described is not uncommon. A lot of people start off in, in the public health system and work there, you know, many years through there and then realise they want a, a change of life. Their their situation changes, have a family and moving into cosmetics, especially if you do have an artistic sort of um skill set about you, then it seems like a natural progression for a lot of people. Um, Maria, tell us all about you and how you came to be working with Jess and, going and getting yeah. into the cosmetic industry.
4: Well, I guess my story is a little bit different and um, it all starts with being a workaholic. So, <laughs> I love to work and <laughs> <but> I'm <I've, laughs> just tapping I'm Jake crazy. on the shoulder.
1: Yeah, he's a bit like that.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, What happened for me is I had this amazing nursing career both clinically and in leadership and I'd undertaken my master's in clinical leadership and I found myself in a pretty high pressure big job that was a national role for a national not-for-profit doing lots of nurse training, um, not a lot of hands-on nursing and I was missing that hands-on with the patients and I love all things beauty so I was thinking, well, no. I wouldn't mind doing something like this and I love my Botox and, <laughs> you know, I love feeling great and I love being with people and I love customer service. That's really my passion. So I wanted to get back a little bit to my roots and um, I'd always said to Jess we'd Mesh and I'd always said to her, you know, if you're ever looking for a business partner, tap me on the shoulder. I think I've got lots I can offer you. So that opportunity did roll around. So I started working with Jess as my side hustle while I was still working full-time and, um, So I was working six days a week for a couple of years um, doing injecting and my corporate role. So (laughs) uh, in that time, Jess saw a little glimmer of something in me um, and that was my business mind that I brought to Eden Cosmetic Therapies um, and my obsessive nature around customer service and what that could do for our brand as a company. Yeah. So it went from strength to strength and my side hustle grew into a bit of a monster and I couldn't keep up and my books were getting fuller and fuller as my days were. So it was time to make that big leap of faith and buy into eating cosmetic therapies or go out on my own. Mm. So Jess and I embarked on the quite onerous process of partnership development, mm-hmm. um, but we really pleased. We put that time in at the start to develop a partnership agreement that's all contracted and signed. Um, You know, we both complement each other and we've gone from strength to strength and we're taking on challenges every day together. So that's a little bit about me. I've also got a family. Um, I like the busyness of family life and work life. So um, injecting for me is um, great. It has that flexibility to work in around my small children. They're six and four. Um, as well as still be a great mum and wife and put lots into the business as well.
1: Mm. I have st- Thank you very much. It's, it's interesting to hear the, the different stories. You guys came from pretty different backgrounds but have somehow managed to find each other and you've formed a partnership and you said you've got complementary skill sets. and that's something that we've spoken about a lot on the podcast. Well, I certainly haven't. Jake's listened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine if you are going to go into business and you can um, find yourself in a situation where you're lucky, to be able to partner with someone finding person who has a complementary skill set to you, so in other words, finding someone that has strengths where you potentially have weaknesses and vice versa. so maybe just briefly, what is it that each of you do well and do badly, and then how do you sort of pick up the slack for each other where you potentially might struggle in certain areas? Maybe uh, start with Jess. <laughs>
2: Um, I knew you'd ask this question. I was like, oh, what do I bring to the business? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I'm I guess I'm a bit OCD, so I do I'm very organized. Um, I don't like to be late, I like to plan, um, I love people, I'm quite friendly, I think I'm caring. Uh, so they're sort of my I guess I'm more nursey attributes to the business in that way uh, running the business and getting it off the ground from you know where it started um, and yeah I think Mar- oh, well I won't speak for Maria but we do complement <laughs> each other you know in a very good way um, you know Maria is more in that managerial head so she's brought some wonderful things to the business that I wasn't aware of. Like I am a nurse at the end of the day. I'm, I'm learning all the time for the business. Um, even just selling half of my business to Maria, I learned so much in that time. Um, constantly learning more. You know, I don't like bass. I don't like accounting. I don't like any of that. We have a bookkeeper for that and Maria that's her little hat she covers to sort of deal with that um so I guess I'm more day-to-day running the clinic and social media is kind of a little bit more up my alley um yeah Yeah,
0: I guess that's what I appreciate obviously you're both injecting but how how much are you dedicating of your time or is Maria more you know back end as well as a little bit of injector How, how do you divide your time
4: Sure. So how we work, we do give each other a good bit of airspace in the clinic. So we have a beautiful clinic on the eastern shore of Hobart, Um, but we have two rooms. So we've got our own room so we can keep it as tidy or as messy as we like. But I have to say we're both OCD about a cleanliness and tidiness of our rooms. Um, But how we work it is we like the clinic to be open six days a week. So, between the two of us, we span our hours across those six days a week opening hours, including evenings and Saturdays. Um, And my days off are generally during the middle of the week, and I generally spend my Tuesday just checking my eye over zero and profit and loss sheets, Mm. um, programming in bits to our bank account to pay bills emailing the bookkeeper or chatting with her. Um, So we do generally take our own roles on and and in saying that um, we do both bring completely different aspects to the business but a lot of them are very similar as well. So we base ourselves very much on the same business ethos and I think that is something really important for anyone considering going into partnership, that you can't be miles apart, you can't be too different. You need to be different Mm. enough that it's comfortable but together enough that you believe in the same brand, you believe in the same patient outcomes and service level, um, the financials that you've got some sort of standard um, guideline or boundaries there so that you both feel comfortable and you're not losing sleep over things that the other person doesn't even register for. So that, I think, is really our big strength. that we are giving each other space, but we are very aligned.
3: Hmm.
1: So, would it be fair mm. to say, Jess, that your, I guess, passion is more on the front end side of things. So, obviously, you're both dealing with patients and you're very good at it, but in terms of like your natural inclination, you're more into the social media, the customer service side of things, I guess, um, more of the interactions on a, on a human basis. And Maria, potentially, whilst you obviously do a great job with your patients as well, you're drawn more to the financials, the back-end, administrative kind of things. Would that be a fair sort of
2: summary? Yeah, I think uh, Maria, you know, is wonderful with patients and does a lot, you know, she strives for customer service um, all the time and and we've done things with opening our new clinic, um, ways that we can really make our patients feel the best that they can do we give them hot towels on the way out oh, to nice. give their little hands a freshen up? Um, they love that, you know. Um, so there's little treats we do. Um, some of those were Maria's ideas. So I wouldn't say I do, but you know, I guess I guess Maria just has that managerial background that yeah. I don't have. So she, I think, yeah, she does a lot of what I do, but she also has that managerial background that I would probably would before Maria joined. Eden, I would be asking my husband yeah. about half of that stuff. So, you know, bookkeeping ambassadors and things mm-hmm. and tax, and explaining those things to me. So, um, yeah, I think Maria just brings that element a little bit more. But I think, yeah, I think we both, you know, we're both sort of as – Um, active in the clinic front of house as each other because we are actually working quite separately. There's only a couple of maybe one day a week that we overlap and we actually love that day because we get to work with each other. Um, But the rest of the time we're usually here on our own, um, you know, and I'm having a day off when Maria's here. We do have another nurse starting as well um, that we're training up at the moment, so she'll also be in. But again, she's going to be just trying to extend our hours so we can grow as a business. Um, yeah. So sorry, I, I think I went off the track a little bit That's there. A class,
0: but, right? yeah. I saw uh, David's juices flowing when the words P and L came in, uh-huh. profit and loss, uh-huh. and yeah. those uh-huh. all the buzzwords that, that yeah. sort of get David excited. So, uh-huh. did, did you do any formal training in business, or, or have you picked it up just you know through your nursing background?
4: Uh- I have my master's in clinical leadership. So I have been to university and done business studies on top of my nursing as well. Yeah. Um, I worked for 16 years in clinical management for a not-for-profit. So dollars and cents um, was what I lived and brief <laughs> getting bang for buck on absolutely everything we touched.
3: Yeah.
4: And... You know, in a way, Jess and I do absolutely equal patient numbers, clinical hours, procedures, um, day-to-day across our week in the clinic, Um, but on our days outside of the clinic, I don't like to call them our days off because they're not really. It's not a day off. Um,
2: Not when you have a business,
4: no. (laughs) They're not our day off. I might spend a bit of my time when I'm not in the clinic is what I like to say, perhaps looking at the zero and the profit and loss and opportunities for growth um, for us and savings, Um, you know, the hidden costs, those (laughs) things. That's my jam. That's what I love. Whereas Jess, she is all over our social media um, pieces. She's really great with putting the artistic eye across programs like Canva, building advertisements for us. So that's where our energy is probably different Um, But clinically, it's spot on the same. And that to me is our key to success. Um, We're not on each other's toes trying to both look at profit and loss. Um, I sometimes apologize to Jess that I'm nagging about something or I found a quick saving on something. (laughs) Um, But it's about, you know, our industry, it is a tough one. There are competitors on our heels all the time. And you know, we don't want to necessarily work harder or overfill people to make more money. That's just not us. Um, If we can make a small saving in the back end on our point of sale, like our FBOS terminal, that might save us $600 a month, something like that. That doesn't come out of our patient's pocket. Um, It's simply just working smarter. So that's where we are um, really kicking goals and we have spent a lot of time making sure that we meet up regularly and go over these plans, mm. so that we are in our own lane, but it's all for the business. And um, mm. and you know, we look at our exit plan a lot, so mm, we we'll You'll be happy to know that one. We're
0: so saving we're, that till the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah.
4: In the end. got plenty of questions. <laughs> yeah. On that. So we absolutely have that front of mind often. Um, you know, and I think the accountant was a bit confused in the first month that I bought in and one of the things I asked him in our first meeting was, well, how will that look on paper when we go to sell? And he thought, oh my goodness, we've just been through this onerous process of partnership agreement and purchase and now you're already talking about exit?
3: Yeah.
4: Um, but we'll get to that and and I think that's really important to keep in uh, mind all the time.
1: Yeah. If your accountant is concerned that you're asking about an exit strategy, it might be time to find a new accountant. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay.
0: now i wanted to very briefly explore the market of tasmania because you know i don't know anything about it um i'm imagining it's sort of rural kind of vibe it's mm. maybe less saturated than you know sydney and the, and the big cities but tell tell us like how, how many injectors are on the island how many clinics are there are any chain clinics and and what are your patients yeah. asking of you
2: when I first started, so we're coming, it will be six years in March even. Um, when I first started, there wasn't much going on in Tassie with injectables. There was just a few doctor led clinics, um, charging I think twenty six dollars a unit of Botox is what I paid when I first had mm, Botox. Um I charged thirteen. <laughs> um so yeah, so there was it was just Doctor led clinics um there were no there was only myself and two other nurse injectors um back then as well so basically I came on um we had a really good time and obviously us nurse injectors being having less overheads we were able to bring our costs down a little bit so the doctor League clinics didn't really like that in Tassie um, oh. it is quite a small place Hobart's got uh we're down in Hobart so that's six The south of the state; Um, it's the capital, and we've got a population of two hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, so it's quite a small regional area. Um, At the same time, we get you know we've got Mona, we've got lovely art scene, we've got the Sydney to Hobart yacht race, we've got you know beautiful things going on. um, But it is quite small still. Mm. Um, Yeah, and then it was probably two years into my injecting career, I think the chain clinics came down so silk arrived and then lca not long after that Um, and that's still all we have we only have those two chain clinics Um, and really there hasn't been there's probably only been another you know i could i could count on my on my fingers how many nurse-led clinics there are in the southern part of the state um and there's not that many doctor clinics either so you know we're we are in a good um Position with um, supporting our patients with treatments, but um, there's not yeah there's not a huge amount of competition, but we've certainly found in the last twelve months there's more. Um People wanting to get into the industry, we get quite a lot of nurses um, contacting us and asking, you know, how, whether they could come work for us or how they can get into the industry. A lot of our patients are nurses, and we're hearing that they, you know, fed up with the hospital system, hmm. working in ED, ICU, wanting to get out. You know, thinking this would be great. You know, how do I get into it? Um, so yeah, we are finding in the last twelve months more and more people are looking to get into the industry. Um, so I think that might change, but then again. With some of the regulations in Tassie, uh, I think it will slow people down, which I think we're going to touch on later, so I won't go into that too much. But, yeah, I mean, our clientele here at Eden is generally 30 to 55-year-old professional women. Uh, We're getting more of a clientele build-up of men. Um, We aren't very culturally diverse in Tassie, so certainly where we are on the eastern shore of Hobart, You know, our patients are mostly all Caucasian. We don't get many Asian patients at all. I I think I could count on my hands how many Asian patients I've treated in my nearly six years of injecting. Um, Yeah, so that's sort of a little bit about Hobart and the surrounds. But, yeah, it's mostly professional people seeking treatments. But we do get a lot of young um, people coming in for lip fillers and things as well. So a bit Uh, of an
0: all-round, really. Are there any unique challenges? Maybe I'll aim this at Maria because you're the one with all the number crunching of, of like, costs, higher costs because you're a little bit more isolated or things take longer for shipping or or anything like that?
4: Yeah, look, we can't run too close to the wind. So with our stock, um, you know, we keep a pretty good buffer in the bank so we can buy big quantities of Mm. stock and medical consumables. You know if you don't buy your dressing packs online, if you want to duck out and locally, buy them you're looking at you know two dollars fifty a dressing pack, not wow. 68 cents. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of things like that that we do struggle with. Um, during COVID, freight we remained open in Tasmania except for a very short period of time when we had lockdown and. Freight became a big problem in and out of Tasmania. We are an island, for those that don't know Tassie. Um, So the aeroplanes were limited in and out and a lot of things were by sea road. So, yeah, look, those sorts of things we always keep in mind. We like to have a good bit of supply up our sleeve and you do you are at ransom sometimes you need to pay to get. So, you know, being organised, which Jess and I both um, get top marks in, really helps. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
2: We get our Botox the next day. So, if we order it, um, you know, one day by 3 p.m., it will arrive the next day. So, that's
0: good. That's good, yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, that's not too bad.
0: Sometimes I can even get that. (laughs) No, I'm
2: (laughs) joking. It's pretty good.
1: (laughs) So, where have you guys positioned yourself in the market in terms of price and what is it that you do that makes your business unique or different? So, what do people come to you for? What are you best at? What are you known for?
0: I reckon it's the warm towels.
1: It could be. Well, yeah. I'm going yeah. to come yeah. back. Yeah, that's <laughs>
2: right. Um, <laughs> I think we, uh, you know, we don't try to complete, compete with the chain clinics. Mm-hmm. Um So we are sort of, I guess, we class ourselves as a boutique injectable clinic, um, slightly higher prices than chain clinics, Um, but they're getting quite a different service with us. Obviously, you know, there's the experience for one, um, you know, Maria's coming up to three years of injecting experience and myself up to six years. So, you know, obviously chain clinics have quite a high turnover of staff often. So there's experience for one. Um, there's our beautiful clinic space it's private you know and then our customer service is obviously really important that we provide to our patients we want them to feel safe, want them to feel like, we often say we're just mums, we're just friendly mums, like don't be scared of us. You know, we understand that a lot of people come into our clinic um, for a consultation and are quite nervous about talking about their insecurities. Um, so we really try to be as down to earth with our patients mm. and relaxed and make them feel welcome here. Um, We have a huge referral base that's word of mouth. So a lot of our patients that come to us is from someone else um, recommending us because, you know, good news travels fast in regional areas but bad news travels faster. So, yeah, that's really important for us to make sure um, we're giving that good customer service. And then, I mean, treatment-wise, you know, we... We don't want to be a jack-of-all-trades. We keep it quite simple. We, you know, we offer Botox, fillers, skin needling, PDO threads and the bioremodeling. You know, we've looked at possibly getting in lasers and things like mm-hmm. that, but, you know, we're making money with what we're doing and we're busy enough, so yeah. we're happy to keep it quite simple. We don't want to just, you know, be a clinic yeah. that just has everything. Um, I think it's important to, you know, be really good at what you do, um, you know, what you specialize in and do it really well. Um, so I think our patients realize that as well. And also, you know, we're very active with our education and, you know, going to conferences. I know I've seen Jake at lots of things recently, (laughs) but even being in regional Tassie, you know, in Hobart, you know, we get our reps coming down every now and again, but for us, it is harder to get education. You know, we've actually got to fly right up to Sydney or Brisbane for any courses or conferences, um but we make time for that um maria and i have attended you know non-surgical symposium this year um aesthetics um and also amac um amongst other things so i think our patients realize that i've had a few patients say to you know i come to you because i know that you know you're safe and you're, you know you're doing education and they and i see when you're going away and doing these courses so i think that's really important as well mm. yeah.
3: yeah yeah um
1: if we could just wheel back a little bit because we sort of glossed over a little bit of the history of sort of you started the business obviously it it was going well um you met maria along the journey and then you decided to sell 50 percent of it so i'm i'm (laughs) trying to understand and i mean i'm all for this i'm all about sharing the pie and growing a bigger pie together but what was it that motivated you because yeah because a lot of professionals (laughs) um this concept's very foreign to them it's you know this is my business i'm the professional why should i share it with anyone else so a, why did you do it? And then and then I'd like to understand the process of how you actually went about valuing the business. I mean, this might be boring stuff to a lot of people, but I'm having lots of conversations with the consulting work that I'm doing and this sort of stuff seems to be coming mm. up a lot a lot of the time. Um, how did you value the business? I know you've got a shareholders agreement, you're 50-50. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so things like dispute resolution, who has the final say? Do you have mechanisms in place? So I've got lots of questions on this, but maybe let's just start with... Mm. Why, why, is, why did you with do why it? I, yeah,
2: why, why I, I decided to, then yeah. Maria might be able to go into more of a shareholders' agreement. Yeah. Shareholder
3: degree, yeah she does sure. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. So I guess, um, you know, I was working for two years before I took on Maria, um, and I, I brought her in because um, I wanted to basically spend the clinic hours, and I didn't really want to work after hours. Um, again, with my small children, I was picking them up from school, running them around to after school activities. So mm-hmm. it was quite onerous doing all of that. Um, I you know, had sport all weekend with three kids. It's just never-ending. So I didn't really want to work weekends. I was basically working nine till three, but that didn't suit a lot of patients. You know, they, they're working full-time. They want after hours. They want weekends. So that's why I decided to get someone else into the business to help me with that, and that ended up being Maria, and she worked all the Saturdays and the late evenings, so that was fantastic. Um, and as the two years went by that Maria was working for me, um, you know, I just saw her potential and I just loved working as a team with her. Like I probably treated her more like a business partner in that last year or two anyway. I would always be ringing her and chatting to her about certain things because we did work together. Like Eden was the brand, you know, so I guess, yeah, I started treating her a bit like more like a business partner. And I liked, you know, having a team and I liked, I don't know, sharing the load. I'm a bit of a sharer. I'm, I, am you know, I, I don't know. I just, just enjoyed that side of it. Um, and then Maria basically, you know, after two years, she, you know, she was a she, fantastic injector and getting busy and she decided she wanted to move away from her corporate role and pursue injecting, um, more. And so she sort of, came to me and sort of said, you know, I'm wanting to do more and the option was for her to leave Eden and start out on her own or um, to possibly come into Eden in in some other Mm. way. Um, So, yeah, so we talked about maybe her coming in and buying half of Eden Um, but that was interesting in itself because I think when I started my business, you know, it was very small, I was just doing it to sort of, you know, get some pocket money and pay a few bills. Um, and I just thought, you know, one day I'd just stop doing it, and my my business would close. I didn't ever think that it would become a brand and to what it is now. I just, yeah. And so then, I guess with Maria coming on board, um, and when it was time to to her to buy into half of Eden, I had to really understand the value of that business. Um, and I didn't really understand it. I, it took a business advisor to really sit me down and go, "Oh my goodness, Jess! Like you need to understand the value of your business. You can't just give that half to Maria." Because I sort of thought, "Well, if Maria's going to go and leave and set up on her own, that doesn't cost much to set up as an injector. You can, you know, you can rent a room. You know, buy a beauty bed, buy some stock, join Fresh Clinics. You know, it's not, it's not a big outlay for that to happen." But where the value in the business was was the brand I had created over those years, um, the client, you know, the the patient books, the clientele list, um, and all of that. And so I didn't really understand that value um, at that time. So my business advisor sat me down and went, you know, you can't just give this away. There's an, there's a value to your business, and we went through the whole process. Maria and I with our lawyers and our separate business advisors and. Um, yeah, but it was it was a big learning curve because I think yeah I just didn't understand what what the value was I was holding on to and I was yeah 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 if that makes sense I don't know it's, it's, it's funny but I just I didn't understand.
0: Well, let's hear Maria's side. <laughs> it was it was it different <laughs> or was it, is, is it was it as as Jess said?
4: Hmm. It absolutely was. So it was sort of now or never. You know, I am want to take the jump. Um, I will work seven days a week very happily to build up my own clinic from scratch. Um, but the reason for buying you—it was really interesting. Um, Jess was sort of getting told on her side by her advisors, God, you don't really want to sell half of a very good business. And I was getting told on the other side, oh, my gosh, you don't really want to buy an owner-operator business. that you know, the social media is based around the operator, um, the patient list They all, you know, have a preference to seeing their owner-operator. There's hierarchy with experience. So I was actually strongly advised not to buy. So, uh, and Jess was sort of told not to sell. So there was this keen sense of loyalty and um, respect for each other that, you know, Jess had opened the door to the clinic for me um, and I was willing to give a lot of my knowledge um, as well. So, with that mutual respect, we both felt that buying and having half was the right thing to do. Mm. So, against perhaps advice from Mm. both sides, we did go into partnership agreement and we haven't really looked back. And, you know, the due diligence was interesting because the flaws that were picked up in the brand or the business through that process have given us something to work on now for our future to make us even better and to work towards um, if we bring in someone else, if we sell, um, you know, if we just continue to do this until um, our arthritic old hands are too crinkly Mm -hmm. to push um, Botox and (laughs) dermal filler. Um, Either way, we know that by going through that um, very rigorous process of due diligence we have worked out the bits that we can do better. Mm. So, you know, bits of those are our social media. We're making it really clinic-based. It's about us and the A-team at Eden. It's not one or the other. Um, These aren't lips by Jess or lips by Maria. You know, it's the Eden glow up or, uh, you know, our very happy patient of Eden. Um, Because at the end of the day, it's our brand. We want to the general public to Google search us or Google search Botox in Hobart and find us as a brand and know our ethos and our motto and know where our professional standards sit. So it shouldn't be based around one person. Mm. Um, And we've done that really well. Both Jess and I are really passionate about that. Um, And that's the big trust
2: piece that no Mm. due diligence can uncover. Mm. You have to trust each other.
4: So and we have people ask. come
2: in for consultations, <laughs> um, and you know, I'll do the consultation, and then I'll be yeah. like, you know, do you have a certain day off? And they might say, yes, Mondays, and I'll be like, great, Maria works Mondays, so we refer people to each other, like because we we do see it as one big business, even though Maria and I, which we make it into as well, we bill our own money, um, but yeah, I'll certainly you know book treatments in with Maria, you know, mm. if I can't see them, and vice versa, so we work as a team, you know, mm. as one clinic.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, we've become a bit of a powerhouse by yeah. um, looking at our due diligence mm. and making that um, propel us forward.
1: Oh. So, I have an observation then, something I'd like to challenge you on. Um, yeah. So, the first thing was in relation to advice that you'll get from lawyers, accountants. In my experience, and I've spoken to many people in the business world in this industry, lawyers will generally always tell you not to do something Um, Mm -hmm. because they don't want to get sued for giving you advice that goes pear-shaped. So I found that buying franchise businesses, selling franchise businesses, they'll always take a very conservative approach, even if it looks like it's great. They will... This is more, I guess, for the listeners than for you guys, is it take the advice on board, get an understanding of exactly what it is that they have an issue with, and then make a decision. Don't just follow what they say without actually thinking through the reasons behind it because often you know there is an element of them wanting to cover their own backside as well in terms of mm-hmm. giving advice that's just a, that's just an, a general observation the second mm-hmm. thing that I wanted to talk to you about or not even challenge just sort of discuss with you a, a little bit further was this idea of removing the individual so not lips by Maria yeah. or not lips by Jess and perhaps not yeah. so much of a challenge but more like a, a counter a counter view which mm-hmm. is that I think with the rise of the chain clinics and this whole building a brand it sometimes removes the personal, the personal element of that. And whilst mm-hmm. people might be coming to you because they love the Eden brand, there's still something about the lips that you do, Jess, or the cheeks that you do, Maria, that are individual to you. And patients are drawn to the individualness of what you, of what you offer or, or what anyone offers. So and I think when you can get caught in that trap of wanting to build a big brand, you in some way start to create a parallel with Mm -hmm. the chain clinics and remove that individual. So Mm -hmm. just something to think about. I'm not saying I'm absolutely right, Mm -hmm. but just just a counter view to what you were saying. There's nothing wrong with promoting a brand but still being proud of your own work and showing what you do because everyone does things differently. And so just maybe just keep that in mind. A yeah, that's a good bit. observation.
0: Yeah. It, funny enough, this, yeah. this whole dynamic came up today yeah. in an email conversation that we had amongst injectors at my clinic. And, you know, uh, one of our nurses uses Galderma products. I use Allergan products. Um, she's skilled. She's experienced. I'm skilled, experienced. And for whatever reason, the patients are occasionally deciding to flip from one to the other. And I said, that's awesome. We should celebrate that as, as mm. our point of difference, but under the same roof. And, you know, I don't care what the patient does if they if they feel like you know, vice versa, whether they're happy with me or happy with the nurse, as long as they're under our roof. Mm. I really couldn't care less. Yeah. So having those small points of difference are actually an advantage.
1: Yeah. Uh, because yeah. Cause you will get people that are attracted to a certain aesthetic or they like the way that you communicate, Marie, or they like your energy, Jess. Mm. And I go, wow, you know, I've been watching so much of the stuff that, you know, Jess does online. Mm. And I, I really feel like I'm sort of connect. I've, I feel aligned with her. We've got similar values. I like the way she do things. I'm going to go and see her. Mm. Whereas mm. you just put something up and it's sort of ambiguous as to who did it. You're just part of the brand. It's sort of, it can start to feel like it's losing that touch. And that, We'll kind of depend on what you guys want to do. Um, we'll get to the exit strategy, but I'm assuming if the exit strategy he- strategy has been well thought out, you're going to bring on other people and there's probably going to be yes. some sort of transition, right? And so, yeah. you know, this ki- this kind of stuff's important that you're able to, differentiate yourselves from from the other players in the market. That's Definitely. Just, just an observation. I wanted yeah. to ask,
0: when, when you were negotiating your um, share, et cetera, of the business, did, did you have any conflict, anything that you've, you found hard to agree on, or was it pretty plain sailing?
4: It's pretty good. Um, you know, we haven't really touched on Tasmanian government legislation, yeah. um, which is quite unique. And, of course, advice I was given... You know, they were quite horrified that in Tasmania you need to be licensed, you should be licensed to store the medication used for cosmetic injecting. Mm-hmm. And that process was still up in the air for eating cosmetic therapies. And you can imagine from a legal perspective, mm. I mean, why would you sign on the dotted line for something that's? Not quite sure yet, and so that was quite interesting because my take on it from being part of the process of licensing, I really understood that. I knew we, we would get there, so that was probably the only part. You know, my lawyer saying, "Don't sign, we we want a clause in here or get out of jail free card if licensing doesn't get off the ground." um You know, that's sensible and that's a comfort level for everybody involved, I guess, um, but. Yeah, there, there wasn't. It wasn't actually that difficult. It, we made sure that the agreement. A lot of time went into the partnership agreement, and you know, I'm sure you both understand that. That putting in the time at the start, it's yep. saving us a lot of effort later on. Because yep, you've got definitely. a document to go back to if you're not quite sure. Not that I've actually had to. I had to dig it out before the podcast and have another read. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it was all. It's all logical. It is absolutely logical and um, good common sense practice. But the guidelines and the boundaries set out within the agreement are really fair, and I think unless you're not going to play fair, there shouldn't be too many troubles. Um, but yep. you do have a grievance process very clearly set out for mediation in that agreement as well.
0: Yeah, I just want to set set the. I guess the the landscape for the people listening, because we we spoke about licensing very briefly and the the Tassie sort of rules. So in Australia, each state has its slight nuances, and David's probably more mm. over this mm. than me. And you know, at the moment, the, 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 there's a lot of regulation, but but generally speaking, it's quite easy to set up um, a clinic in inverted commas. You can rent a room, you can buy a, a property, you can be in the back of a beautician if you like, and it's fairly easy to get product from various suppliers and basically inject. So, so what's the difference now in Tasmania? Can you just explain that?
4: Yeah, so in Tasmania, um, it's been a very long process. So the Poisons Act, which is part of the legislation here locally, um, it, it's really now setting up a framework to have cosmetic injecting clinics licensed for their venue, so not as a person or an operator, but actually the facility to be licensed, much like a hospital or a day, care, a day, day clinic mm-hmm. um, like for eye surgeons and things like that. So there's three standards that um, are part of the framework. So the first one is the clinical governance. So that's your all charts, um, medical advisory committees, so you're reviewing your work often, orientation manuals and things like that for new staff. The second standard is about partnering with our consumers. So, that's our risk management profiling, um, informed consent, patient information leaflets and things that really make sure that everything is above board and spelt out so that everybody knows and understands their roles and responsibilities. The third standard, which is what we all generally fall to and think is all we need, are our clinical safety standards. Um, So that's your basic infection control and training, cleaning, staff training and meeting, storage of S4s and so on. But it is just getting all those policies within that framework um, is what we are now required to do, submitting Mm. that into the Department of Health and then being suggested and recommended to the department to be licensed facility and capable of storing scheduled four medications for cosmetic injecting. So, so that's where it
2: all came from, was the yeah, storage, storage of the S4s because we're not, mm. our, our legislation says in Tasmania that, you know, nurses cannot store S4 medications on site. So you have to be uh, a nurse practitioner or a doctor um, to so- store the S4s. We all know Botox and fillers are S4s and that's where We came a bit unstuck that, yeah, suddenly the government was bringing this up and we are all like, well, hang on a minute, that's not how we operate. You know, there's a lot of us nurse-led clinics in Tassie as well as the chain clinics, LCA, Silk, um, in um, the shopping centres, and none of us have a doctor on site. We use telehealth. Um, What are we going to do? So basically the department have created a licence for us, a process for us to be able to keep our doors open um, and store these medications the Mm. right way under the legislation. Mm. Okay.
4: And the upside of it, though, which I think will you know, I think the rest of the country should be watching because this is really about patient safety. And so Jess and I really, we support the process. It's something that we believe in. It's important to know that you can't just be a bit of a cowboy and get your hands on some Schedule 4 drugs and start this process of injecting people's faces. It's really good to know as a consumer that the risk factors are calculated, that there are um, processes in place for managing deteriorating patients or complications, that there's training and education, the facility is safe, so you can get out if there's a fire or you need an ambulance. They're all things that are really important. Mm. So, as onerous as it has been to get this framework to actually eventuate, there's been a lot of back and forth and consultation with the the government within Tasmania and the departments, we feel now we are there. The framework um, has been provided. It's now working towards getting that licensing Um, and and understanding that once we have that, we can really hold our heads high. But, you know, I always say the image of our industry is in our hands. So Mm. to know that there is going to be this really great standard set, we should be proud of that.
0: Mm. Thoughts on that, David? Uh, well, it uh, all sounds
1: great, but what has materially changed in the way in which you conduct your business? So, your product arrives on, in cold chain um, st- uh, transport and then goes straight into a fridge, which should only be accessed by medical professionals. So, what, what has actually changed in your day-to-day operations with this licensing framework? Mm. I mean, I know you have to write a document around policies yeah. and procedures, but from your, a patient, uh, yeah.
4: Day-to-day, nothing has really changed okay. for us because Jess and I have always pride ourselves on being really compliant um, highly trained and continuing our education at all times you know but we can't speak on behalf of the entire industry and what that means for us day to day is we hope that we see less people coming to us because they've had a bad experience elsewhere Mm. or Mm -hmm. um, you know there's less people appearing in the newspapers or um, on televisions with um botched jobs um you know we hope that it is bringing a level of high standard to Mm. our industry and painting a really good brand for the entire cosmetic injecting industry, not just our clinic. Um, We're lucky there wasn't really much of a gap between what we were doing and formalising a licensing process. But for a lot of people, I'm sure there is a big gap and there's a lot of work that needs to be done in their own clinic.
2: Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, home clinics are going to be obviously, you know, we we can't have home clinics in Tassie. You know, they're not going to fit the the framework and we're required for the license so they're they're out the door um and basically i I don't you won't be able to inject out of beauty salons because as we said the premises has to be licensed so unless you know you you know if i wanted to travel up the north of the state and inject up there that premises would then also have to be licensed as well which is another Mm. whole lot of work and money Um, and we hope that the fly in, fly out injectors will also stop because basically they won't. That'll be illegal as well. So, mm. you, uh, you, uh, uh, in
0: in some ways, when I mean, we think about this as we're talking, it, it almost seems like we, we've spoken a hundred mm. times about you know what's the level of competence of injectors well. and, and do we have a standard of injecting and so on. But it's almost like another way of ring fencing who can inject because your average, you know solo person who's just come out of nursing school is probably not going to embark on this. It might be too difficult or too expensive. I don't yeah. know how much it is. We haven't yeah. asked you yet.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, this, this is all great, but from, from my perspective, the big danger is, and I'm, you know, I might get a bit of hate for this, but whatever, it's just my opinion, is that people that are coming out of nursing school who just jumped straight into this and have done, to me, that's the bigger risk factor than and, you know, licensing for me, it's like, who is actually injecting? Have you got any clinical experience outside of your placement? Have you dealt with airway support? Have you dealt with people who have got anaphylaxis or severe vasovagals? Are you comfortable if you're the only person in a clinic and you've got the shit goes down Are you going to be able to take care of that patient? Do you understand patient, you know, bedside manner? Are you good at communicating? Are you good at picking up all these sort of subliminal body language Mm. um, things that go on? And I guess doctors, because they do all that time in, you know, in residency and so on before they become fully qualified, whereas it seems to be a bit of a loophole with nurses is you can get people who just finish and the next day open up their own clinics and then they're the next lip queen or cheek master or whatever Mm. it is. That to me is probably more of a concern but i'd be interested to see what what you guys think and obviously jake as well
0: yeah well i will yeah. add there's some crazy doctors out there yeah, who can't inject for shit and they're injecting so yeah. it's not just nurses of to ch- if you're listening thinking we're, we're nurse no. bashing we're definitely no. not we're great, um
1: big nurse supporters yeah. i
0: i do wonder whether the bar is a bit higher to get into you know injecting because of of this new framework so
4: yeah look i i really i support a lot of what you say and and it is a worry because we are advocates for that person who walks through our door that are usually in a vulnerable state there's something on their face or something that they're not liking about themselves and there's a high level of trust that we know what we're doing and that when things do go wrong we know what to do so the licensing framework it you know it does have factors in there about patient care so Mm. deteriorating patients um emergency management kits, all of those things. And, yeah, it probably, Jess and I both agree that it is a barrier to entry. It will be, become a barrier to entry for Tasmania um, because it is a lot of work. Yeah. And I know myself as a 20-year-old graduate, there is absolutely no way I could have navigated what I'm navigating now as a very mm-hmm. experienced nurse with a lot of business knowledge.
0: Yeah. But do you mind me asking what the whole process costs and and how frequently you have to pay and so on? Yeah,
4: it's an annual. So you actually apply initially and um, just to straight out to look at your form, it's around $1,900 for them to read your application. Um, And then it's based on how many treatment rooms you have. So it's around that $1,800 per treatment room per year.
0: Per treatment Um, room per year, okay.
4: Yeah, that's our understanding. So we're at that point now actually of... um, getting to the nitty gritty of pain mm. um, and then it will be an annual fee and uh, along with a uh, regular audit process like a hospital has accreditation yeah. um, and regular medical advisory committee meetings so mm-hmm. that any adverse event or reaction mm-hmm. that happens within your clinic is reported up to the department and that you have your own medical advisory committee meeting minutes that capture all of that risk as well.
1: Mm. And so the accreditation that you have gone was like an ISO 9001 or something like that. Is that? It's, that?
4: it's actually not. Okay. Um, it's, it is similar, yep. but it actually becomes under the day treatment facility. It's the Health Establishment Act that right. we will be licensed to.
1: Right, okay,
0: right. I mean, I'll ask you guys this because in some ways it seems like an overreach from the government because I'm all for patient safety. We're all for patient mm-hmm. safety and quality, et cetera. But at the end of the day, um, severe injuries, blindness, you know, death, if you want to include that, these things are so rare that I just wonder if, if, if the balance is right. I don't know. You're the, you're, the, you're the people doing it, not us. So how do you yeah. feel?
2: Maria and I have had discussions about this. And, I mean, you know, it is quite onerous and there is a lot there the government is asking us to do that, yeah, is over the top. You know, we're not sedating patients. We're, you know, but, but like you say, the risk is very low. So you know, I but I think it was funny when we had the we had a forum with the government in 2017 when this all came to a head, um, and that had all the major stakeholders. You know, Allergan came down. You know, Silk LCA. We were all the nurses were there, doctors were there, APRA were there, and the government just had no idea how we actually operate and what we do. I think, yeah. you know, we actually had to stand up and say, listen, you know, we're, we're already, well, most of us, there are obviously some backyard jobs, but, you know, the people that were there were saying, you know, we've got policies and protocols, you know, we're not, we've you know, we're doing telehealth properly, we've got supervising doctors, we're not just, you know, out there, you know, being cowboys. Um, and I think the government just really didn't understand how yeah. our businesses work. Um, and then sort of had to go away and had a big think about it and thought, well, you know, the, the, there was talk about whether we actually changed the legislation, which is the storage of S4s. Um, they believe that would be a too lengthy process, so they went away and created this licence for us. And I think I just think they didn't know what to do with us. Um, you know, we are already all in operation across Tassie, you know, nurse-led clinics and, and the chain clinics, and they went, hang on a minute, but our legislation doesn't fit what they're doing, or we don't fit the legislation um, that's suddenly been sort of picked up. Uh, and you know how are we going to cope with this? And so yeah, they went away and created this license. But I mean, you know, Maria and I do believe it is you know it's a bit over the top in some ways. Yeah. We're we're all for safety and improving the industry, but yeah, it is pretty over the top um, what they've been asking us to do. Um, so yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, are you trying to say the politicians don't know what they're doing? (laughs) That's a novel novel concept.
2: (laughs) I
4: I have to say I did actually feel a little bit sorry for them on reflection at the forum because, you know, they were held down by a very large room full of very glamorous, beautiful women,
3: (laughs) um, you know,
4: really standing our ground for our professionalism and our um, education. Yeah. So, it, look, it, we've come a very long way working with the department. Um, it, it may not be the best fit for now, yeah. but that's all they've got for us to tick the boxes to be doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. The, yes, the, stay,
2: keep our doors open. The had yeah. you know, quite can a meet... few very stressful, tearful nights where I thought my business would just close. I didn't yeah. think, you know, I thought. They're not going to allow nurse-led clinics in Tassie unless we have a doctor on site. And how am I going to pay for a doctor to sit uh, in my clinic for well a couple of minutes? I need them to well, write a script. Um yeah. you know, it just wasn't going to work. And I actually, you know, there were there were times that I thought, you know, it might be just the end in wow. the event. So oh, yeah. um, it was quite a stressful time for us.
1: I can imagine how upset patients would be right in the streets with the patients now having to pay $30 a year. (laughs) Well, I remember
2: there was. (laughs) I was was telling my patients to write to your local member, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Tell them. I I do remember when this all
0: happened yeah. and and on the facebook forums there was like meltdown people kind of almost ready to revolt and stuff yeah. so yeah it was quite big and and I, I think it was almost people didn't understand what they were reading it, whether it was a proposal was it in action what do you do if if you are owning no, no one yeah. really knew yeah um and it, i think mm. it happened during or, or or some point during the lockdowns as well is that mm-hmm. correct
4: That's right. Which kind of like weird
0: timing? Yeah. Um, Great,
4: great timing for a business person. (laughs) Yeah. Timing. (laughs) Oh yeah.
0: Um, I'm a bit cynical. What do you think of this? Do you think that they're using Tassie as a bit of a testing ground, small market, not a number of, not that many people to to moan about it, see how it lands, and then scale it to Australia? Quite possibly. Probably. I think.
2: The government's still learning when, you know, when they first put out this licence to us, they've even changed it since they put it out to us, haven't they, Maria? There were some yeah. things that they were asking of us and then they went, oh, actually, hang on, that doesn't apply to mm. you. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're changing things all the time, I think, because we say, listen, that doesn't apply to us. We're not sedating people. You're asking us to do, you know, jump through these hoops. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll just change that and we'll do it this way. And, yeah, they're still learning and trying to get to them. Figure out the best way to make us compliant. Um, mm. So I think I'm sure the rest of Australia is watching, and yeah. we probably are a little bit of a um, guinea pig.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and this is what yeah. happens when industries don't sort of self-regulate, and you've got people making lots of noise. Is that um, the reg- the government steps in? They generally overreach. They don't understand the problem, and you end up with these sorts of issues. And unfortunately, that just tends to be the way that it goes. Um, I want to get back to a couple of business-related questions. Um, I'll get on to how you measure your business in a moment, but something that I wanted to cover was your 50-50 partners. Mm-hmm. So if you guys have a bit of disagreement about something fairly material in the business, how do you, who has the casting vote and do you have some sort of media? You could have alluded to it, Marie, you might have some kind of mediation process. Can you just explain how that works? I recommend yeah, they do so
3: arm-wrestling well- matches <laughs> in Eden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, we've
4: actually. Me too.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> look, we've not come to that kind of disagreement, yep. luckily. Um, I don't think that's through luck or relationship. I actually think that's through good planning. Yep. Um, we we don't did sit down. down at
2: the beginning and yeah. thought, what's our business plan? What do we want from Eden? And I think if Maria said, I want to suddenly, you know, in the next few years, I want to grow to have two clinics and 10 staff and 20 lasers you know, it would have been quite different. But we did sit down at the beginning and went, what What do we want? What? Where can we see even going? And we were very aligned with mm-hmm. what we wanted for the future. And I think that has helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. and
4: I think financially, you know, money can make you best of friends or um, biggest enemies. And, and, you know, it's hard to always talk about money, mm-hmm. regardless how close and how much trust there is. But we're very transparent mm-hmm. on that. Um, we make sure we've got a good buffer in the account all the time. Mm-hmm. We don't run up debts. You know, what we have, we pay for and we own. Um, yep. So we can actually go to sleep every night. Like for someone like me who looks at the profit <laughs> and loss charts all the time, I can go to sleep at night and know exactly where eating yeah. cosmetic Therapies books are and how how we're going so there's no reason to come to heads mm, I'm about pre- those things
1: i'm gonna press you on this maria because yeah. So, yeah. because shit does happen <laughs> you, right you, you might program. someone someone <laughs> might have a mental breakdown you might end up yep. ending up with a partner who influences you maybe you have a death yep. in the fam something will happen when everyone's sane and all things remain equal what you're saying is 100 percent true but what my experience yep. has taught me is that sometimes shit happens and someone can have a complete mental breakdown and and the person you knew yesterday is not the person you know today. And you do, so what is your process for if the unspeak, these things need to be prepared for worst case scenario. So what, so how do you, how do you combat that if that happens?
4: So we do have a very good process in place around that. Exactly. So um, divorce, death, yep, and departure, Um, the big things you talk about when you're business planning. Um, But for us, how we earn our money and um, without sort of telling the whole world sure. out, yeah, personal finances, yeah. what we bill, so the patents that we see and the income that we generate for the business, depending on what percentage that is for the month or the quarter, is how we get paid from our bank account. So if Jess decides to go off to Europe or <coughs> have a mental breakdown for six months and doesn't work, she doesn't get paid. Mm-hmm. So there's no overhead there or liability in each mm-hmm. other if we're not in an earning capacity for the business. Mm-hmm. We have set up um, legal background pieces within our partnership to protect our personal assets mm-hmm. um, and our own family, um, you know, our, our homes and our assets that we have outside of the business. Um, and I know that's varying across different countries and we have listeners from all over the globe on our podcast here today. Mm-hmm. So in Australia that has involved um, setting up proper trusts and having our our shares part of our trusts and things like that. So Mm -hmm. we've made sure we've made the back end from um, our vulnerability financially quite watertight, Mm -hmm. but then in the front of house with our day-to-day pay and obligations to paying one another, it's very separate in that regard. So you work hard, you get paid more. If you you decide to have time off, you're not getting paid.
1: What if there's like a fundamental – okay, say there's a new product that comes onto the market and yep. Maria wants to offer it and Jess has a fundamental issue with it who has yep. the, who has the final say
3: <laughs> so I, I, I i'm pressing <laughs> you on
1: this question and you're sort of squirming out <laughs> yeah, of it i want no, to know no how,
4: no, no, <laughs> yeah. no we both absolutely get a vote no we get a vote each and then we if we can't agree we then would go to mediation
3: okay okay
4: cool Pro- professional mediation we would have to appoint a mediator yep. um, our agreement is the mediator's Say yep. is final is the final outcome
1: yeah and that's what, that's what I wanted to get to it wasn't a bit difficult but this is a question that no, comes up that, no, com- that comes up a really lot important. yeah
4: and it's important for partnership agreements to have that um, very the grievance process very much spelt out um, I have been part of lots of very ugly workplace mm. HR situations. Yeah. So um grievance process is not foreign to me and not not frightening. And Jess and I both agreed that we wanted that in there and we agreed on that in our policy um that we would have the mediator make final decision if our votes didn't see eye to eye. That's great. Um, Yeah, so I hope that's the answer you're after. No, that's it. Yeah, that's made, great. Have we made
0: the right no, decision? No, no I I that was awesome. <laughs> should, should we share our mediation process? So what often happens is, David and I fire some angry uh, WhatsApps at each other. We don't talk for about half a day, and then I'll call her the next day, and we agree. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
4: we're we're pretty good, and and you know Jess and I are good country girls at heart. So we call a spade a spade. Yeah,
1: you're not psychotic like some of our Sydney people, city people. Yeah,
4: (laughs) yeah. No, we're we're pretty um, (laughs) down to earth. Yeah, and you know we have recently had this situation where we were bringing in bio remodeling, and how much do we buy? Yeah. How much do we buy? What do we take out of our bank? To a, lot
0: buy? If um, a lot because you can find the stuff. A lot because the delivery's been a bit.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we bought
4: lots exactly. yeah. that was the bottom line. We did buy lots and we yeah. we've ordered more. Um, yes. but you know we we made sure and, you know, we ummed and Why and, oh, should we, get this money? and like, we met in the middle. Yep. So oh, um, that was good. Compromise. We wish we had have doubled it. Yeah, <laughs> <I think so. laughs> It's a hard decision when you're
0: spending 30 grand or whatever it is on yeah. stock. Yeah. It's it's not an insignificant decision yeah. for your cash flow, et cetera. Yep.
4: And then to wait mm. for it to arrive for six to eight weeks before you sell it. So <laughs> exactly. to me, profit and loss for the quarter was looking a bit bad yeah. because we'd paid for it early in the quarter. Uh, you can normalize those things. <laughs>
0: Just to explain that to the listeners, so... As we know, Profilo was launched here and it's been so successful, the launch that we have literally run out of stock. Yeah. And I mean, this happened a few weeks ago and we're still waiting. So it's probably about a month at least of a hiatus of most clinics having no stock. So it's an unusual problem.
1: There's the low stand for low stock. No? <laughs> oh, god! <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes because someone has to. <laughs> um, so, I want to get on to how you measure success for your business because again, this is a conversation I'm, ha- I'm having a lot and mm-hmm. most injectors and if anyone that I'm talking to is listening to this, um, you'll probably be laughing at this right now because these are the conversations that, that we have. Mm. How do you measure your business? So, in terms of, I'll just rattle off a few things that come to mind. So, your repeat rates. So how often are your patients yep. coming back in? What is your average spend per patient? Yep. What is your s- split between y- your SKU? So like how much tox are you selling to how much filler? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. do you understand your margins? Do you understand your break-even point? All those kinds of things that, you know, people are mm-hmm. really great on the clinical side and they're really excited about setting up their own business. And then something happens where they want to sell it or they need to and then they've realized that they've done none of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got to try and reverse engineer or put all these things in place while their business mm-hmm. is running at full, full tilt, which is really tough. So can you talk to us about yeah. your process for all of this and, and sort of how you went through, I guess, the journey of, of getting all these things in place, if you didn't already, Jess, when Maria joined?
2: I mean, I think measuring the success is obviously um, patients coming back to us, so yep. um, booking in and yeah, coming back to us for their next treatment because they've been happy with what they've received. Um, you know, we are trying to get better well I'm trying to get better at um, rebooking my patients as they walk out the door. You know, it is hard. We have a wonderful online booking system and patients often like to say, let's not just go home and work out my roster and then I'll just book online because it's easy, um, but especially leading into, you know, busy periods like we are in the next few months yeah. um you know, we're really stressing to patients you need to book now otherwise you m- will miss out so i guess um yeah patients coming back to us we also you know want to trying to grow the business so the amount of patients coming through the door um it's really interesting to see the amount of new patients booking in with us which is really exciting that um you know our brand's getting more recognized and 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 word of mouth is getting around um, of what we have here um, in Belle Reve. And I think our new clinic has helped that as well. We've always, prior to this, we were operating out of beauty salons um, and were tucked away, you know, without a proper shop front. So having um, a proper clinic, you know, with signage um, has been really good because people can see um, see the brand, see Eden. Um, we don't really get walk-ins, but we have had a few people popping in and just grabbing price lists and things, which has been great. Um, you know, just with the growth of the business, and I think also our experience, we are doing a lot more filler now. Um, you know, I think that does come with experience because you learn a lot from your, you know, your consultation skills with patients, um, and you know, understanding their facial aging and doing, I guess. Often larger volumes as well for some of those older patients that have a lot of severe volume loss. You know, I mean it probably is small amounts compared to some of you guys, but you know, a lot of the older ladies are coming in and we're talking three mil packages straight up to help replace their volume. So um, whereas I know some people do seven or eight mils, that's not our patients in Tassie do not have that kind of money, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think um, the growing of the of the filler um, has been really good um and that's obviously helped us with our profits as well um what else maria i think yeah
4: i guess our new system with when we what uh, are you using by the way what system are you um, using we're using timely (laughs) and timely is fantastic i find for the um, patient interface for appointment booking but back end side for reporting and figures it may be a little bit basic Um, Mm -hmm you know we were previously with um Zanotti and Zanotti yep. had things like your um, patient return rate um, attrition rate the you know who are you losing yep. why are you losing them um length of time between visits it had all those sorts of things which uh, we don't necessarily have now with timely so a lot of it is manual um, data sorting yeah. and looking for trends mm. but in saying that we are very focused on um, our average spend, we're just making sure, you know, little basic things like, you know, we, we started getting lots of people come in for a four-unit lip flip mm-hmm. um, and we had no parameters around that on our booking system. So putting in a minimum spend for our patients of $100 yep. because it's our time, it's a script, it's the medical consent. Yeah, it up
0: more. <laughs> yeah, July.
4: so, you know, um, so it's just those type of things that we do keep our eye on. Um, but certainly we are looking at, you know, our tox is where our money is yep. um in our margins um but we are getting a little bit more savvy with our dermal filler ranges that mm-hmm. we're using and jess and i have spent a lot of time talking about that and and that's our next big project in our partnership as a business um is trying to really narrow down what products we stock and having all you know like not a uh, not a standard approach but a couple of fillers, two or three choices for lips, two mm-hmm. or three choices for mid face, mm-hmm. two or three choices for you know boosting. Um, that are that we'll be out of them buying a bit more in bulk. And you know, I've heard people on the podcast before buying 12 months worth of mm-hmm. um dermal filler to get that saving. It's actually not a silly idea if you can do it, yeah. Um, because we don't want to compete with the chain clinics on our retail end, so to make it worthwhile for us, we need to work in the background to find those savings and Mm. um, be smart that way.
0: Yeah, actually, this is a conversation that's coming up with injectors because most of the pharma companies, at least here in Australia, have their end of financial year in uh, end of November. So mm-hmm. these conversations like, oh, do I do I get a bolt deal or do I stick with one brand to show loyalty mm-hmm. and maybe get a better discount? All those things come up. So uh, how do you currently do it? Because you, you, you've both said the word Botox several times, so I'm assuming you use Botox.
4: Yeah, we're, we are a Botox okay. Um, We are very interested in the new toxin that it's not TGA approved yet. um yep. Latebo, when that comes out to Australia, that's something that we are really interested in looking at. Yes. Um, mainly because we've read published papers on its efficacy and um, longevity. So we're, we're really interested to try and see that with our own eyes first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we are loyal to Botox. Um, but when it comes to dermal filler, this year particularly, Jess and I, now it's sort of I don't want to say post COVID because it's still around, that's still mm. causing a lot of harm and issues in our community, but um, the reps are about, they're back on the road. So mm. we have seen a lot more people in our clinic and um, we've done some really good hands on sessions with different brands that we hadn't used. We were mainly um, Juba Germ and Galderma products, mm-hmm. one. So we've had a little play with some Tioxane this year and we've had Chroma visit us in the last week yep. as well. So yeah, look, we're at that point of researching now um, to look at our business modeling for the next 12 months.
1: Yeah. Have you guys mucked around with Discord or Xeoman? Mucked just as
0: around. Early on, you, Jess? <laughs> Sorry, mucked around. Yeah, yeah. mucked around.
2: That's a medical yeah. <laughs> term. <Sorry. laughs> I did have a little play of Discord early on. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, it was just, I mean, I was still quite a sm- small clinic at that time and i thought well do i want to stop two types of toxins and mm. you know why would i choose one of the other you know am i letting my patients choose is that vial going to sit in the fridge and you know potentially um go by it's used by so um I, I was trained in Botox. I love Botox. I love the results. It's, you know, it's very predictable. I know exactly what mm-hmm. I'm getting. And I'm sure if I use Dysport and, mm-hmm. you know, got really familiar with that, it'll be exactly the same. But we've just stuck with Botox. We, you know, we do hear there's more profit margin in Dysport. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're happy. And, you know, whether that's totally true, I don't know. But, you know, we are happy with our Botox at the moment. Like I say, we just feel very comfortable And yeah, it's just a little bit scary to change to a new product and then our patients might lose out and, you know, while Mm. we're trying to figure
1: it out, I guess. Um, Um, Yeah. mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that all the products are great, to be honest with you. I think that Australia's lucky Mm. because we do have such a a strict sort of regulatory oversight with new products with the TG. I think they do a really good job for the most part. Mm -hmm. And um, I've had experience as not an injector, but as a, a, a clinic owner and, um, they're all, for my opinion, for someone that's not clinical but have seen lots of different uh, practitioners use them all, they're equally as good as one another. It just depends on your injecting approach. But mm-hmm. an exercise, Maria, might be go back over the last 12 months and do, a, and do a calculation on what your profit would have been if you would have taken 50% of your Botox sales and had them as either Dysport or Xeomin. And have I a look did up. that. Oh, you did. I okay. did do that. Yeah, <laughs> it You're already signif- yeah.
4: It it made already significant. It significant. Look, yeah. there was a significant yeah. um, benefit if we were using a um, another brand, um, but we made that business yep. decision mm-hmm. that for our patients and for continuity for sure. them, and and our my obsession with customer service and satisfaction. Yep. Um, is you know a big part of that. I don't want people to say, and we get people come into our clinic and say, I think my injector that I was going to is changed product, and I didn't like it, so yeah. I've come to you. Yeah. So the thought of that happening on the flip side, which it may well happen, I think it costs a lot to get a new patient through the door. Yeah. So marketing, you know, you've got to put a value on that as well. Of so course. You know, that's not tangible you can't really work out how much it costs you to attract a patient through your door i know you can put a price on the product margin but you it's hard to compare them
0: mm-hmm. can i say this is really interesting i was speaking to michael Kane, who for those who don't know oh, i consider Kaine. the king of toxin in the whole world and we will hopefully be getting him on to do a, a tox talks soon not michael Kane, the actor no <laughs> Not Michael Caine, no. That wasn't very good at that at all. Your British Um, accent's terrible just by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name is Michael Caine. All Um, right. Anyway, and he was saying, we, we had a long chat about this whole thing of swapping people on toxins and yeah. resistance, all this kind of stuff. And he came up with the, the, the great point that if you have, let's say you've had a patient for five years or whatever, and they're used to whatever product, doesn't matter, but let's say it's Botox. You could sell them the most latest, greatest, new uh, toxin, works quicker, lasts longer, everything. Cheaper as well. But for that patient, their whole reality on, on toxin is based on Botox. And you change the parameters... Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they won't be. They, they are generally not comfortable with it because it's different. Mm-hmm. And even though mm-hmm. you may be selling an advantage, like a quicker result mm-hmm. or a longer result, for them, it's not what they want. Yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. it's potentially different. Anyway, so so his takeaway was: I grandfather the people on whatever toxin they're on because he uses all of them. He's, he's not um, brand specific. But for new patients, he will talk about the portfolio, the pros and the cons, and the price and da da da. So. I personally think that in the future when we have four or five, six toxins available, mm-hmm. most or, or not most, many clinics will have all of them or, or, or many of them. They won't just have one. There probably won't be a market leader anymore or, or a dominant market leader. Mm-hmm. And there'll just be sort of like a menu of services rather than, oh, we just mm-hmm. do this.
1: Yeah. Um, and the patients are becoming more educated as well. Yeah. Especially younger patients that are coming in getting involved in this industry are a Mm. lot more savvy than, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I agree. But um, it's it's an interesting thing. And and like you say, if you just work out the sums, it makes logical sense to go for the cheapest one, obviously. It
4: does. But that patient retention and and, and and attracting business, it's not tangible financially on your profit and loss um, unless you're paying for marketing and assuming it's working.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, And I think um, also there's a little bit of loyalty as well. I feel, you know, Uh. elegant were very good to me when i started out <coughs> injecting um i often say they taught me everything i knew my beautiful um trainer that came down to tassie um i you know and so i am a bit loyal to Allegam. Um so there's that there's that little side of it as well i don't
0: know yeah, yeah. no i, I understand mm-hmm. that and you know you, you develop these personal relationships with whichever company mm-hmm. but at the end of the day you, you're running your own business yeah, And, and yeah. things change, things exactly. evolve, oh. and I, I, to, at some point you have to think of yourself, I think.
1: Well, the amount of reps and clinical yeah. trainers I've known over the years who started out working for one pharma company and mm-hmm. saying, this product's great, the competitors are terrible, yeah. and then six months later they're working for the competitor. <laughs> no, 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 this product's really good now. Yeah. I was wrong before.
0: <laughs> so, it's a funny industry where I'm sure it happens in all countries, yeah, but course. it's true. The reps change company, the GMs change company. and Yeah, it's very incestuous. It's sort of... You know, you're sitting there in the crowd listening to a conference, and then next week they're somewhere else, and you're like, "Well, well, which which thing that you said was true was true?" <laughs> you know, it's very hard, and so exactly. that's why I'm saying you sometimes have to take a step back and be like, "Well, what works for me, not for you." Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I my, think it's right. my like, I
2: think you know, in the future we probably will stop more toxins. Um, and I guess, you know, it was a really interesting point that, you know, some of my patients, you know, quite a few have been with me for nearly six years. Yeah. So they will probably always want Botox. They will probably always oh, yeah. stick with Botox, but you're right. Like new patients coming in, we can give the option and, and start those on, you know, a different product that might be more profitable. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the, the reality really is first point. time
1: tox patients, you it's hard to get them right the first time you always generally your first treatment you're getting to know their face you're probably treating yeah. conservatively especially with the forehead for example mm-hmm. um so i mean if they're a new patient and they haven't experienced it before and you know that even if you're using botox or whatever it is that you use there's going to be probably, a, you know, a period of getting to know each other and knowing what, you know, you might think it's a great result, but they might say, oh, I'm still, I feel a bit too frozen. Like it's a bit, you're mm-hmm. a bit heavy handed. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're always going to have that with with any new patient in, in, in any event, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Talking about prices yes. um, and, you know, New Year, January is not too far away. Many clinics kind of look at their You know, services menu and go, oh, we'll do a little bump up in price because it's New Year and inflation, interest rates going through the roof. Is that something that you guys are considering or is it not necessary for you at the moment?
4: Well, I guess we're probably at that stage in our business where we don't really like to do that whole annual review of our prices. It's when and if you need to. Mm -hmm. And for us, we've spent a lot of time recently looking at the hidden costs Mm -hmm. um, rather than our menu pricing. So, it's been uncovering, you know, the five hundred dollars here or there on a supplier, or on um, syringes, or our um, point of sale percentages that the banks mm-hmm. take. It's all those things yep. that we've been looking at saving our money on. And when you add all of those up, it's thousands yeah. over the year, and it's small bits here and there. And that's just as good as putting your lip filler up by thirty bucks per treatment. Yeah. Um, yes, down the track. When we have slightly increased some of our prices because they hadn't changed for five years um, for our dermal filler, but we're still really competitive. We're certainly not um, chain clinic prices, mm-hmm. but we are not the most expensive in our boutique clinic market in our area neither. We're still achievable and accessible to the public um, mm. That's a big part of what Jess and I. We want people to have this. We don't yeah. want to price them out, but we yeah. don't want to undervalue ourselves. And it is a really hard line to walk. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle, um, we want them to get the results, but not yeah. to be thinking they can only come once a year.
3: Of course.
1: Yeah. Now um, I'm conscious we're sort of one hour and twenty minutes in, and, and, and we, haven't we, so- got, we, we haven't gotten to exit strategies yet. Would you mind if we went? <laughs> Let's through exit. exit. Are, Let's you, guys, exit are, the are you comfortable with that? Yeah. So. What are your plans? I'm not going to ask you the cliche. Tell me your five-year plan. No, but tell me, like, what's what's your plan in the next couple of years in terms of growth? Are you looking to expand? Are you looking to bring on new injectors? And if you are, I've got some ideas for you um, that you, mm-hmm. might to, you might want to consider. Interestingly. Um, um, and then exit, yes. Yeah, David
2: sorry. Marie. Yeah, Maria and I have actually been talking about getting some consultation from you oh, cool. for our business. <laughs> sure. So you sure. might be hearing from us. Oh, okay. You're getting next a bit busy now. <laughs> are you sure you got enough time for the podcast.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so what so what is your um, yeah, more than happy to yeah. hear from you, brother. Um yeah. but um, what are, what are your sort of growth plans over the next couple of years? And then when you've decided as Maria said when you've got our 3D cans and you're unable to push that <laughs> syringe anymore, how are you planning to get the hell out of here? <laughs>
4: Well, we don't want to be injecting from our Zimmer frame. Yes. That's important. (laughs) And we're both still fairly young in our careers. So um, I'm about to hit 40 and Jess has just clicked over. So, you know, we've still got work in us and we both love exactly what we're doing now. We love it as it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while the passion's there, I guess it's hard to really think about really exiting in the um, near future. But for us, our exit plan for now is keep our books tidy, mm-hmm. keep our business like it's always on the market, um, mm-hmm. so that if someone does come and knock on the door or want to get us out of the way um, in the local market, that mm-hmm. we know exactly the worth of our business yep. um, every every quarter. Um, but for us now, we're in we're still in growth mode, and we've just brought on a fantastic nurse oh, um, who, interestingly, where we see the growth potential for our business is opening our hours more. So we're not busy enough to overlap our hours too much, but where we can attract new patients through the door is by extending our hours. Mm-hmm. So the income generated or income return for our hours is what we are striving for at the moment in our mm-hmm. growth plan. Yep. Um, so Georgie, our nurse oh. will be working Wednesday evenings and the alternate Saturdays to me, so that the clinic can just keep on bringing in new people and we're accessible to everybody um, depending on their hours out out in the real world. Yeah. So, that's where we're at. We don't have a set exit yep. right now, but we're ready. We consider ourselves ready at any moment. Mm. Yeah. Um, and our accountant and our bookkeeper are always on our little cotton tails, making yep. sure zero is up to date and everything is always reconciled. Our basis is submitted every quarter. Yep. Our super is up to date. There's nothing undone. Yep. So, I think that yeah. is really healthy yep. um, as part of your exit
2: plan. Yep. And I think if I just can jump in as well, um, obviously the licensing is really important for the value of our um, business as well, which we're nearly there with. But also another thing um, we learned was I was with a different franchise company um, for the first five years mm-hmm. of my um, business with Eden and um, early this year we changed to Fresh Clinics. Um, and what I learned, well, when I found, well, what, what happened when I left my other franchise company was I lost all my patient data, so yeah. they kept it, um, I, I did know that was coming up, so I, I did do some um, things to make sure I <laughs> had my that. client list and things like that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that moving forward, um, it was really important for us at Eden to um, make sure we've got all our own patient data. You know, yes, we are with Fresh Clinics, but we actually don't use their not taken um, system or mm-hmm. anything. We we created all our own patient treatment plans, consent forms. Um, in medical information through Timely, um, so the forms that get sent out to our patients or they complete in clinic. So that's actually all our IP um, because, you know, that's obviously really important for the mm-hmm. for the value of the business. Um, we don't want anyone else owning that. And, you know, if we one day move to a different scripting provider, mm-hmm. we want to be able to do that quite yeah. easily without yeah. having to worry about losing yeah. data.
3: Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Good call. So, yeah, that was important as well. And that's, you know, we're full planning for that for the yeah. exit strategy just so that that's mm-hmm. a
1: available part of Eden. Um, yeah, just just a little idea for you. Um, you may have already considered if you've brought on a nurse, um, a junior nurse who's going to be working within your business, might be an opportunity for the both of you to consider increasing your prices for new patients. It's a nice way to sort of step ladder a price mm-hmm. increase. So you sort of grandfather your ex- – or you might just – You know, pick out the clients that you really want to retain, like the people that have been loyal to you, the ones you like treating, you grandfather those in. Anyone new pays a higher price and then you've still got your more competitive price point where it currently is for the new injector. It's a good way of getting a new injector busy Good way of sort of stepping up your prices without the risk of losing people. Just just an idea. You may have already considered it. It's like when you go to the, something the fancy to think hairdresser. Yeah, the director cutting sick.
0: your hair or the junior. Well I mean there's, it's
1: normal. That's no, true. Yeah, yeah. If you no, go to uh, I'm joking yeah, This is a good idea. If you yeah. go to a law firm mm-hmm. you pay X amount of dollars for a senior partner or yeah. you pay mm-hmm. Y for a junior associate. That this is normal the normal process. So yeah. anyway there's a a free one for anyone
2: that wants to consider that. But yeah I like it. It was good interesting
0: point. I was um mm-hmm checking you guys out on on instagram there's i've just had one bit of feedback maybe i've missed it but when you go to your um socials i actually can't see a website link or even i'm not even sure if you have a website you can't link to it from your instagram uh, well,
2: there's, a, there's a link tree i have that looked we
0: pop- and yes. you've got two oh, links and you can't get to your website as far as I can see, mm-hmm. just in no, case you didn't know, we, Jake is the Instagram to- queen, so he knows everything. <laughs> <Queen>. <laughs> well, we
2: did, we did used to have our website on there because you can only have one link, can't you, on your bio?
0: That's correct. So you've got,
2: yeah. So, so, so we, we did have our website there, but. We had some feedback, that you would have to go onto our website and then go, because most people want to book an appointment at the end of the day, so they'd go Agreed. to our website and then go, where's yep. the book an appointment now button, and then that would go through to our booking system and so on. And so we created the link tree um that just takes people seamlessly straight through to the booking system to make it easier no um, i totally agree that's a good point Good yes i mean
0: um, what, what i would say is on your link tree just expand it out so give them more options okay. so definitely booking should be at the top or head or to or our, our the top. Website
2: as one of the buttons or but, something but also
0: like you know jess maria georgie whoever like make it a little bit more yeah. about us so because it's not mm-hmm. quite clear okay. who or what is eden F- yeah, from, from your okay. link tree, so that that would be my only bit of feedback. So, uh, yeah, we're doing yeah.
4: lots of work on our website, yeah. so that's great, very timely yeah. um, feedback. So, recently we got hacked. Oh, no, Instagram, oh, yeah, I yeah.
0: Instagram, uh,
4: and it was all a bit mm, terrible. Awful. There was bi- we had Bitcoin all over our um, beautiful injection, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? It's all um,
0: Bitcoin, that's all it is. Yeah, it's weird, it was, it
4: was really interesting. And, and, but you know what, a, a good business. Test for this was it didn't change our business. Um, We didn't lose bookings. We didn't slow down. It could have been that it coincided with when we launched our new shop front. Not sure, but interesting followers don't seem to translate to bookings for us. I don't know if that's um, across the board, but that's generally our um, observation. Mm. So we have done, we've been paying and getting some. Contra work done from a good friend trying to get our website back mm. to being higher in the Google searches yep. for our local area um, and doing all that metadata back-end stuff yep. for um, making our website appear better. Yeah. So, you know, th- this is all new to us, uh, even with my business background and um, things and Jess's um, really keen social media eye, um, this is new to us. So we have had to outsource this to get help.
0: Yep. yep. I was just going to say, I, th- I think yep. that's, a much more powerful thing for you guys on an island with less injectors to to maybe put some budget behind the Google AdWords, et cetera. Here mm-hmm. in Sydney, it's a complete waste yeah. of time. <laughs> your your um, spend on a lead is, uh, you know, oh, I think in Bobak's right. podcast, he said it's like $250 or something yeah. ridiculous. But mm-hmm. for you guys, there's way less competition and search terms like Botox, Hobart mm-hmm. might be actually Absolutely. pretty good. Yeah, and
2: yeah. yeah. um, getting blogs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We just had our um, website advisor. You know, just make some few simple changes. You know, um, and we've already gone up ten oh, great. places in the Google search just by really simple things. So, um, yeah, it was it's good. Can I you guess, share those simple there. things and so so I can I think, make
0: my website better?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I think all the metadata yeah. and all the like, and having blogs that yeah. you know I wouldn't couldn't be bothered writing or like does anyone read them? But it's about not getting patients to your website. It's about getting Google to your website. Correct. So, and, I, and I was like, what? But it's like mm-hmm. having all those blogs with mentioning dermal fillers 50 times yeah. in the two-page blog, that's, you know, Google is going to um, see that. And so, yeah, that was all new to us. And I was like, oh, wow, like all of this back end that you can actually get people, pay people to make write a blog for you, pop yeah. it on your website. And um, that's just helping, yeah, attract Google to you. To yeah. You. Actually,
0: you've just reminded me to ask you guys a question. Do you think it'd be valuable if we did a mini series on digital marketing kind of stuff? Do you yes. think that would be valuable? And
4: I really do because I think not just the technical end with the metadata and getting Google to notice you, yes, but also what's the culture? Where are we going with social mm. media as an industry, and what are our boundaries? Um, there's still injectors mentioning doses brand names all sorts of things on their daily posts so um you know it's all those type of things that i think we probably need to air that out yeah, as an yeah. industry okay. yeah. and you know tiktok is it professional or is that for other injectors to see or is it for your patients to see or is there a bit of both i
2: i don't know probably controversial yeah Some, uh, sometimes it's like gosh that that post by that injector is just like actually, you know, shaming their patients in a way, well, like yeah, making fun of their patients, and it's, it's like, oh gosh, I, I don't know, know if that's very professional. Um, yeah, and like then a- you know, we do get disheartened in our in the industry when we're seeing even you know, competitors in our local area, you know, mentioning mills and mentioning units and mentioning brand names and yeah. Yeah, it's quite frustrating when you're trying to do everything right, um, and yeah. people are clearly aren't. So yeah, yeah. It's a bit, no, it's that'll bit... be great. Great podcast. I think yeah. I think it's important. Um, okay, excellent. Yeah. Well, I was gonna yeah. say. I,
0: I was gonna say. I'm, I'm actually really impressed with you guys. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think you know a bit like the yin and yang of me and David hopefully we bring some value but I think you both have recognized your skill sets and um, you're clearly doing it very well so thank you for being excellent guests and and being honest about your business I mean it's kind of weird to come onto a podcast and tell us all about yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's well, happening in the back end. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I you, think you,
4: it's important because, you know, this is the stuff that we found really hard to get access to when mm-hmm. we were looking at partnership. And these are the emails we still get every day from people wanting to come into the industry as well. Yep. And yeah, a lot of it is um, intellectual property, but there's also got to be a lot of truth in it and a lot of honesty. So, um, yeah. I think that's really important that we, we keep that um, yeah. openness as an industry because, as I've said, the brand and image of cosmetic injecting is firmly in our hands as operators. Yep. So, I'm really passionate that we get it right, not just with the needle, but the back end yeah. and, and mm-hmm. image as well.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to echo what Jake said. I'm very impressed. I haven't seen your a lot of your injecting skills other than what you've got on Instagram, but I'm sure you guys are competent. But I'm very, very impressed with your grasp on the business side of things, and I, I it was great to have. S- you on because i was able to press you on some things and and sort of get yeah. some and and so take that as a compliment yeah. um you guys look like you've really got oh. your head switched on you've set up a great business you've got a good working relationship and i wish you nothing but continued success for the future and looking forward to meeting you both one day at a conference and, and thanks again for joining us yeah. and taking
2: the time thank you thank you so much for having us on and yeah it's lovely that you feel that we're we're on the right track um, yeah. but you may still be hearing from us okay. David <laughs> <No> because <problem. laughs> I'm sure we can always learn more and more and more um, but yeah thank you so much for having us on it's been wonderful, we love your podcast we listen all the time, uh, it's really good to learn.
0: Fantastic, from thank you back. girls, thank well, you. enjoy the rest of your day Thank you, have a see great afternoon
4: see you thank everyone you. Bye
0: For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon.